0: Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. Happy winter solstice to you all. It's that time of year to move from the dark back to the light. Exciting, isn't it? Okay, maybe you're focused on travel plans and last-minute Christmas shopping, or how you're going to get through the family events without the usual struggles you might have with a specific family member. Hopefully this episode will turn your focus inward for an hour and uh, give you some consideration for the bigger picture of how you're organizing the arc of your entire year and how this can be a great time of year to be slower, more reflective, and prepare for the days when the light returns. I've got a great conversation today with Laurel Van Meter in just a minute. Before that, I want to thank you all for continuing to tune in and support this podcast. I'm ever so grateful for the community being built around it, and I continue to do these conversations because of the feedback I get from you. If you've been meaning to, take, uh, to, to uh, do, do some donating for this podcast um, you can t- take the time right now to go over to patreon.com forward slash highway to health. If everyone listening would consider donating 5 to $10 a month, we could really do some important work. I explain a little bit more in the video on the Patreon page. Also, don't forget, we're holding our first ever contest on the show to support and promote your passion projects. Whatever you're doing to make the, the world a better place, uh, we, we want to let people know about it. Tell me, tell me more at uh, Jeremy at com. I'll be picking my favorite on January 31st, 2019, and uh, have you as a guest here on Highway to Health podcast in the upcoming year. Also, don't forget, you can listen to us now anywhere you find podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. So no matter where you are, we'll be there. So this turned out to be a really timely conversation that I'm bringing you today as winter solstice is tomorrow. We didn't plan it that way. It just sort of happened. Laurel Van Meter has been a yoga practitioner and teacher for 25 years. We get into talking about her career and the recent history of yoga in the U.S. and how it's changed during that time. And we dig into how she builds a practice for herself and teaches her students at the yoga garden. She gets into a bit more depth about how it is a practice of wellness and how she specifically tailors each class and each season. She also explains how yoga is not just about what happens on the mat, but what you take with you into all the other aspects of your life. I hope you get something out of this conversation that you need. Here is Lowell Van Meter. did a little bit of research on you but I didn't want to get too too deep into it because I I knew enough already and yeah right (laughs) I didn't want to like not have any surprises but right so so what what did you do before you were a yoga uh, instructor or yoga teacher
1: well it's funny it's a good question um I have been doing this for so long I have to really think back but so I've, I've been a yoga studio owner for going on eight years and I've been practicing yoga since 1996 and teaching since about 1998. So since I was, I started practicing when I was about 24. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, so it's been most of my working life, most of my adult life. I've been, do, I've been doing yoga to some extent. Um, I owned a garden design business called LVM Gardens, Gardens Design for about 25 years. And I did that, I sold that business about, Two years ago? I got out of it completely two or three years ago because I started doing trainings and starting doing more speaking engagements and some strategic planning and building out that part of my yoga business, and I just, I didn't have time for the design. Did,
0: you, did you go to school for that originally?
1: Well, my background is in the arts, so I have a BFA <laughs> and um, went to school at University of Wisconsin at Stout and started my garden design career there. Okay some people that did I knew. Did you grow up in Wisconsin? I or? did. I grew up in Green Bay. In Green Bay, okay. Yeah. So um, what what did I do before I, I did yoga? I guess I did some gardening and I just I was kind of a small business owner. I had started my own business by the time I was, I started working for myself when I was like 19 or 20 and then started my own business. Doing what? Doing gardening. Okay. And then started my own business. Like summers
0: in college or?
1: Yeah, I worked at a, at a restaurant outside of um, Menominee And they had uh, gardens that they started. It was this really eccentric family from Chicago. And they opened this restaurant called The Creamery. And they were great. And they decided to grow all their own produce and herbs in the short season that we had. And then had these massive flower gardens. And this was before the whole organic movement, before farmers markets were everywhere. This was like 1991. Early 90s, yeah. Yeah, it it was a long time ago. So... At that time, it was kind of a big deal to have your own gardens and try and and try and do that. So yeah. they were, they just kind of were like, "All right, you're the gardener." And I just went out there and figured it out. So I kind of ended up working for them, and then started my own business at the same time, just having my own accounts, and then moved it to Minneapolis, and I was off and running.
0: Huh? What did you have someone in your family that was like a, an entrepreneur or somebody that um, directed you in this in this not way? Really. <laughs> Usually, you have to go through like some hard knocks, and and like I, I, I oh,
1: I'm still going through those.
0: <laughs> I I just knew like fairly early on too. Like I I didn't. I started working when I was like twelve or thirteen uh-huh. years old. Like kind of ridiculous. And then I, by the time I was in high school, I couldn't stand how bad the managers were at uh-huh. any job I had. And I was just like, oh, I can't work for you people anymore.
1: <laughs> well, I do have, I guess now that, now that I'm thinking about it and after listening to you, I, I do have a very specific memory when people ask me this question. Because no, I didn't have, I came from a family of people that were really good in marketing. My mm. sister works in marketing. My dad my father my grandpa had a marketing school for uh, Schlitz Brewing Company. Like they were all <laughs> wow. about marketing, so they were um, business-minded in that way. So I did come from a family of people that were business-minded, but they were none of them were self-employed. Okay. Um, and I guess I was—I am kind of the black sheep in that way. And, and so the story: when I was about seven years old, I remember my first day of summer after school ended, and I remember—I just remember this so clearly. My mom was in the driveway, and she was like stripping a, a chair that she was going to refinish. And I was like, just hanging out, talking to my mom, kind of like, oh, I can do whatever I want. It's the first day of summer. I yeah, can do yeah. whatever I want now. And I remember my dad then had his suit on, he had his, you know, his, his juice in hand, his, his slice of peanut butter toast, getting in the car and saying goodbye and going off to work. And I, it was the first time I realized like, he doesn't get summer vacation. He has to go <laughs> yeah. to work every day. Yeah. And I just was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have a job that yeah. rules my life that way. And so I guess from an early age, I didn't know that about myself. Yeah. And whenever I was asked what I wanted, to, you know, they ask you when you're in grade school, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. And I always said I wanted to have a gym. Really? Yeah.
0: Were, were, were you, did you spend a lot of time in gyms? I or loved what? gym. It was my <laughs> favorite thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I ran my first track meet when I was six yeah I did then it was 19 it was in the 70s so it was the 100 yard dash yeah yeah and I did a relay in the long jump and I did well in those um I started playing soccer I was just a really athletic athletic active kid kind of the same way yeah and I just that's what I and and artistic as well so I mean I didn't like my sister was the one that would get the most books read you know for the library yeah Every summer she would just like curl up and read. And I was like, how are we
0: doing <laughs> Yeah, that? I know.
1: You know, I just never want, I couldn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to sit still. I always wanted to be playing sports or drawing or yeah. something.
0: I, I think I was, a, you know, a little ADD or something. Looking back, yeah. you know, I can kind of see that. And you know, there must be something about being an entrepreneur that just like, you have to have the skill set where you can kind of get pulled in different directions and it doesn't like throw you too much. But I, I had the same thing with, with, like I was constantly active, mm-hmm. but I think my brain was always going in sort of creative ways too. Yeah. And I could just kind of sit with that for a long period of time. I think by the time I was in college, I, th- I think I felt it like kind of pulling me in different ways where I had to like deal with it a little bit more. And like, that's sort of where after college is where the like yoga stuff came in a little bit more right. and like meditation and just trying to figure out a way to like curtail that brain of mine. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the entrepreneurial thing I think I had pretty early on too
1: yeah so you can relate I think there's something and it's always that challenge of like okay well I, you get you to you in yoga they're called lakshanas they're called markers so you get past a certain marker or a threshold and you're aware of that and it's like okay this is great but now where do I go right what's next yeah and that I, I always loved that challenge I, I just uh, everything I've ever done has always worked out that way yeah. I tried having a job for, it lasted like four months, a nine to five job. And I was getting all my work done by noon. Yeah. And so I tried to work a deal with the owners and they were great. And I just said, well, why don't I just work hourly and I'll just work half the time? Pay me twice as much. Yeah, pretty much. For- and they were like, no, that's not how this works. And I was like, well, then I can't do this. So, um, but I was—I I had a gardening; I had started my gardening business, okay. so I was good to go there. But yeah, so as far as I think, you know, all of the stuff that we're talking about, as far as being creative, being an artist, being an entrepreneur, bodywork, yoga—all of this is—it's a creative endeavor. Right. And there's a, a thread that you pull on that, as far as being an entrepreneur as well, that has to be there.
0: Yeah. And, and and being a being a yoga instructor, I mean, I'm a movement teacher. Mm-hmm. You've I've worked with you a little bit, so you kind of know it's not we're not doing that much different work, but it's all about how you piece these things together, and also how you look at each person individually. The art of figuring out what you're going to do with that person on any given day—they come in with totally different things, so you have to be flexible and be willing to do that kind of stuff.
1: Right, and this is this is great. So this is really kind of getting to what I do as a yoga teacher and what I do as a trainer. Um, of teachers and working with people therapeutically. This is because I've been doing this for so long now. Um, I've gone through so many different kinds of training I've gone through. You know, I did like the Ashtanga thing in the, in yeah. the late nineties that I was just like really into the flow and the challenge of all of it. And then I got a million injuries. I love Shtanga, but I, th- I still have so many injuries from it. I have to be really careful okay. when I practice it, but I do really like What Where do you think the
0: injuries thing? come from?
1: Because they move so fast. Okay. Yeah. Because they move so fast, and because there's only one breath per movement, okay. Which you know, 20 years ago I really liked, yeah. But I don't. I I just don't like practicing that way anymore.
0: Did did it come with your body changing at all, or was it just no? um, Because
1: I I was in my mid 20s, okay. When I was practicing ashtanga, and I have two injuries that I still. I, because I know a lot about alignment now, I can align myself properly in practice without a problem. Yeah. But if I don't take the time to do that, they come back. Yeah. So it's not age related. I think it's just, it's just being athletic and having an injury.
0: Yeah. And also like, who knows how many injuries we had that we recovered really quickly from when we were younger. Right. Pushing. I mean, I, I remember just constantly be yeah. hurt. You know, I'd, I'd
1: yeah. throw
0: my body around just like willy-nilly. Right, because you
1: would recover in yeah. a week. Yeah, or two days. Or two days, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's different now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for yoga and body work. Well, right, so I think one of the things that I really like about this and the creativity and talking about who is in front of you is a really wonderful way to have the years that I have of working in yoga and having many successes as well as failures, what works and what doesn't to figure out how to get people out of their mind and into their body in a healthy way. Right. So I say a lot with my students at the beginning of class. I'll have some kind of inspirational quote or something that, that has resonated with me. I've been talking lately a lot about using yoga to access your body in a way that supports your growth. Yeah. So there's something there's something that um, that gets you... There's a physical element to it. I, I, I refer to it as returning to the physical, returning to your body, to your landscape, yeah. to where you live. Everything that happens to you in your life happens to you in here, yeah. in yeah. this body. And I think I'm always surprised at how much we need to be reminded of that every single time we come to the mat. Yeah. So when you have a room full of people in front of you and they've all got different capabilities, I mean, even even if they're all here for the same 630 Multi-level vinyasa class on Thursday night. They are, they still all have their own story, yeah, and you have to work within that and their own understanding of their story and how they're telling their story physically, yeah, and what that means for them. And I just love that. I never get tired of it. And I think it's been such a wonderful experience for me to have that ashtanga experience and then have like the ayengar anasara alignment experience and have my jivamukti certification. You know, so I, I've had Bikram hot yoga, like I've done. All of it. And I've once I opened my studio, I made a conscious decision to kind of figure out what I teach. What do I see going on in front of me and how do I? And that's that entrepreneurial creative thread again. Like I know this, but how can I take it to the next level? And really serve people. Um, I'm careful to use that word in yoga because it can be overused. But really offer something that is beneficial to people and get people to understand um, how their alignment plays a part in their health. Yeah, just because you're on a yoga mat doesn't mean the alignment is there, <laughs> right? right. You know?
0: and and do you do you sort of play with that metaphor a lot of the sort of alignment, and and how that translates into into the people's daily lives? Or is oh it, yeah, is that? Yeah, I, I I always I for me I've, I've in terms of the work that I've done I've kind of used flexibility and mm-hmm. mobility and those kinds of things just because I feel like it's it's also present in our bodies when we're when we're holding certain kinds of things or when we're trying to control too hard <laughs> or yeah. something there's 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 something that's clearly very present in people's bodies that now I can pick up I can pick it up right. on my own body as well but yep. but it's but it's I, I i like to kind of give people a little things over time I'm sure it's the same with your with your practice
1: yeah that's a great point so it depends when it's I do do that all the time with people so there is like you said there's that the mac daddy I call it metaphor of like (laughs) the alignment in your life off your mat you know how are you aligning yourself in your life and in the world which I love about yoga um, and then there is the literal alignment on your mat. How are you placing yourself on your mat? How are you placing yourself in these different poses, which is, um, reveals your understanding of how you're placing yourself in the world right. and how, how that affects you. And so um, a couple things there. I think if I'm working mm-hmm. with somebody on a one-on-one level, so often obviously you're working with people on a one-on-one level because mm-hmm. of the work that you yeah. do. It is more personal, and I can give them something that is specific to them that I see. So yes, I definitely do that in my privates. And then in my classes, I usually have an overall theme, like I mentioned. It's like, how do you access your body in a way that supports your growth? Well, here's how we're going to do that, right? And then I just keep it really simple. Um, I talk about this a lot in my teacher trainings, about taking this whole complex system, this whole understanding of alignment, and not inundating your students with it, but making it so simple they leave just understanding something a little bit more about themselves, understanding a little bit having a little clearer understanding of of the way they should hold themselves, of where their shoulders should be, of how to relieve pain in their low back. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, whatever it is that you're deciding to focus on that day. And I think this is one of the things that I really like about alignment based vinyasa in particular is that it's not just mindfully going through a memorized sequence. Right. You're looking at who is in front of you and getting to know the people in front of you. And going okay. Here's what we need to work on.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, and I, I've always I always kind of work with this notion of awareness that it's so easy to get pulled out of our awareness, mm-hmm. and that, that's the thing that that actually probably drew me the most to yoga was mm-hmm. this <clears throat> sort of hour of. Somebody else telling me what to do for one (laughs) one thing, but also, but also that, I mean, I was doing it already with clients of my own Mm -hmm. and, and realizing that the, the, the more I could sort of get into my body and the, and the breath is like the, the first, for me, it's always the Mm -hmm. first thing. It's like, that is really where I get kind of down into my sort of central being. It's sort of the crossover, I think of ours somatic emotional mental place it starts to kind of like work all those pieces you know surfaces that a little bit and I can kind of gain that presence from it and and then from there everything I just kind of work out from
1: yep that's a great point so yes everything definitely starts with the breath it took me a long time to understand that (laughs) um I have so many funny stories about learning how to um Contain the energy in the room or direct the energy in the room um, and not try to, to uh, fold it into or manipulate Mm -hmm. it into what I thought it should be so I could do what I needed to do, you know, to really just work with what's going on in the room. And it's so interesting because it depends on who's there. It depends on if it's snowing or if the sun is out. It depends on if Mm -hmm. it's zero degrees or 80 degrees. You know, it's just, there's so many different variables, none of which you can control. Yeah. So... One of the things that I also decided when I opened Yoga Garden and I was like, well, what do I know? What do I teach? I'm going to figure that out in the studio was I had to really open it up and just kind of be okay with that and, and see what came up when I started a class. So one of the really wonderful things that came out of that was, well, it doesn't matter if people come in here and everybody's laughing and joking around and having a great time because we have a community here right. and people come here to see each other as much as they do. Right. To so, you, so you just yoga. work with that
0: energy, right?
1: Yeah. But it's hard. It's interesting as a, as a yoga teacher, because then how do you take that and get people then to sit in a meditative seat and get centered and grounded and start to move? Because I was like, well, if everybody's in a really great mood, I don't want to be a buzzkill. And I don't want to tell them that they can't <laughs> yeah. have that like really awesome. We're
0: going to start out with some chanting.
1: Right. Today. Exactly. Which I used to do. I'm like, well, that's just not even appropriate. Like no one wants to do that right now. So there's no point in doing that. So through the, through the breath, through what you said about the breath, I was like, well, it always starts with the breath. And yeah. if it doesn't matter if they're in a great mood or if they're struggling or whatever, and there's always a mix of all of it. Yeah. Everyone feels better when they remember their breath. Yeah. And that's I, once I finally figured that out, I was like, okay, we are—we always start with the breath. Everything starts with the breath. To get back to the physical, to get back to our landscape, and to get to a place where we can get grounded enough to even be aware of how we feel and what we need to do physically, it starts with the breath. Yeah,
0: and it's—and it's the one thing that you can take away from you, mm-hmm. I mean, take away from the, the the class or from the one-on-one. And you can do it whether you're moving or sitting or right. lying in bed or <laughs> whatever. You can, yeah. you can always, you know, tap back into that piece.
1: Yeah, right. When you're getting, I call it when you're getting pulled up. Yeah, yeah. Or you're getting knocked off balance or caught off guard. You know, if, you've, if, you've, if that's been emphasized enough every time you come to your yoga mat, it's like, okay, yes, I can, where's my breath? I can get back there. Where's my breath? And then I can start to breathe and slow it down and get grounded. And then I can check my alignment.
0: So do you have a favorite breathing exercise?
1: Um, I I like Nadi Shodhana. Do you know what, Do you know Nadi no, Shodhana? No. Okay, so Nadi Shodhana is alternate nostril breathing. Oh yes, yes. I, okay. I, 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 yeah. I, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Like how like Nadi Shodhana. <laughs> Can't believe you don't know the Sanskrit term. So yes, not alternate nos- nostril breathing. It's one of my favorites too. Yeah, be, and I think I, I, most people like it. And again, because as soon as you start balancing the breath, it, you just get calm you can check in it centers you it brings you back to the physical it calms your brain you can get grounded and
0: you've got the sort of left brain mm-hmm. right brain kind of yep. piece that when you're when you're you know switching back and forth
1: yeah and in yoga it's the masculine feminine it's the left and yep. right side of the right. body it's england. Yeah. and england yeah so so i mean i whenever i teach pranayama and my teacher trainings everybody responds so positively and just loves it because it just balances you. Yeah. So I really like Nadi Shodana. I like um, doing a four-count breath with a pause in between. I do that a lot when I need to get grounded. So just bring a smooth, even quality to both sides of my mm-hmm. breath, to the inhale and the exhale, with a pause in between. Um,
0: but before we go on, can can you explain Nadi Shodana to sure to, to someone if they want to try this.
1: Yeah, sure. So there's there's different ways to do it. I mean, you can do, once you're aware of Narishana, you can do alternate nostril breathing. You don't necessarily need to use your hands, but okay. it's easier to start if you use your hands.
0: I didn't know you couldn't use your hands.
1: Yeah, well, you <laughs> just have to bring your awareness yeah, to get, one side that. at a time. Yeah, okay. It's harder, Okay. but you can. So so with your Cause hands. Because you don't necessarily want to be like, <laughs> you know, if you're in a meeting or something, right. like all of a sudden doing... The alternate hand movement. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, so you just take, uh, you know, traditionally it's with your right hand, and you take your index finger and your middle finger to the meaty part of your thumb, Mm -hmm. and you curl them back. You'll take your the tip of your uh, left or your right thumb to your right nostril and close Mm -hmm. the right nostril and and exhale out through the left. Okay. Close the left. Inhale through the The right. right. Exhale through the right. Close the right. Inhale through the left exhale through the left close the left and you just keep switching yep. back and forth
0: I was, I was taught from someone before I ever took a yoga class <laughs> this as an as a exercise for I was doing a, a, a couple of lectures and they said it's a, it's a really great way to sort of quiet your mind and mm-hmm. I think I've done it as part of a class even at some point someone, and someone reminded me of this and I was like oh yeah and it does something mm-hmm. it really just like settles your your nervous system
1: it does. It ha- well, this is an interesting subject because depending on how you're, you're, the way you breathe has different effects on your nervous system. Right. So there are different ways of breathing that can actually speed up your nervous right, system right, right, or okay, aggravate yeah. your nervous yes. system, you know, um, like Kapalabhati, which is good in certain circumstances, you know, like if you're having a hard time getting going or mm-hmm. something like that. If you have like an Ayurveda, it's Ooh. called a kapha body yeah. type. Yeah more earthy, watery body type that's beneficial, can be beneficial. Um, you know, there's studies on how much it is, it's more beneficial to exhale for people that uh, struggle with anxiety to focus on the exhale and make mm-hmm. that longer. For people that suffer from depression, it's more beneficial to focus on the inhale. You know, so there's different ways that you can use your breath yeah. to, and it affects your nervous system. Yeah. I, I always forget
0: that that you and I are probably very similar. in this way That my system always needs a little coming down. I mean, not always, but mm-hmm. there are times when I definitely have have used the the sort of what do, you, what do you, what's the, the term the sort of breath of fire kind of
1: kapalabhati Kap,
0: Kapal, kapalabhati because it's I that I feel like I I'm run a little high, a little pitta. Yeah. So uh, I have to kind of usually do the opposite. Yeah. But there's there's something there is but I understand that. A lot of people don't have that.
1: (laughs) Right. Most people, I mean, in our culture, most people are vada or pitta, which means they're more fiery or air or creative. We're in our heads. In our heads, right. We're in our heads. Yeah. You know. But there are definitely people that, you know, there are people that are very present, very earthy, Mm -hmm. very watery, more kapha body type that.
0: Slower moving.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they're they're the ones that have a harder time getting going. So Yeah. yeah. You know, there's that, that fiery breath is, is good for that kind of a state yeah. or that kind of a mind frame, which we all have. Right. Um, so yeah, I think I always start with the breath and I think everybody benefits from that. And I think, you know, whether a lot in the corporate classes that I work in, especially or, or when I'm doing speaking engagements, I find people really kind of latch onto that idea. Like, yeah. how do I get grounded? when I'm in a room full of people? How do I get grounded when I'm doing presentation? How do I get grounded when I'm experiencing stress? You yeah. follow your breath, start with your breath. Yeah, It's really hard to do that if it remains a concept or a nice thought or something that you're aware that you should do, but you can't make it physical. Yeah. So I guess this is another point that I think is important to bring up is I talk a lot with my students and in my trainings Uh, with people about well how everything we're trying to do on a yoga mat is to make it physical. So we're returning to the physical, but we're also trying to materialize something physically. And that is um, also a really great metaphor for, well, how do you do that Mm -hmm. in your life as well? Yeah. Especially when you're talking about health and um, wellness goals, especially this time of year. We're coming up on the first of the year. You know, and everybody's got goals. They want to lose weight. They want to eat better. They want to exercise more. I'll have, you know, twice as many people in my studio for the first yes. two or three weeks of January. Right, right. And then half of them are gone, you know. And it's because you have to make it physical. And when we make things physical, we have to slow them down. Yeah. We have to slow them down and measure them and be aware of them, which is where the alignment comes in. So...
0: I always think that with the, the January thing, Yeah, I always think it's... It, it's the, it's not really the best time of year to be pushing so hard and mm-hmm. it's it's like i think i think what a lot of people end up doing is like this recovery from the holiday right. season or even the fall in general like from october through december there's something that just ramps up it seems like everyone's business is a little bit busier right. everyone's job is a little bit busier and and so but i feel like in january wouldn't you Think that it's it's a little bit better for us to maybe move a little slower and more deliberate deliberate because of mm-hmm. sort of the you know the cold and the mm-hmm. just the time of year.
1: I do. I agree. I think um, I do some planning with my students, and we actually start what we, we do it rather than the first of the year. We do it on the solstice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a special class on Halloween where we talk about start thinking about what you want for the the coming year. Oh, no, that's this, a good idea. Yeah. How is this year ending? What do you want for the coming year? Um, So we start that, you know, seven weeks before the first of the year, start thinking about it. And then on the solstice, everyone has kind of decided, well, here's what I want to work on. And then you have a year to do it. So it's not like this marker of the first of the year. Like I'm going to, it's the last days of Rome, and I'm going to do all of this, you know, (laughs) up until midnight on the 31st. And then the first comes around, and it's like, you have got all the fire and will for about 2 weeks but the pattern hasn't right. been set. So
0: and the darkness, it's like it's mm-hmm. just, it's not a great energetic time of year I feel like.
1: Well, I think it's a great Okay, so this <laughs> this gets into a lot of um work. I talk a lot with my students about the five elements and so mm-hmm. when we go from Halloween to the solstice we go into the dark half of the year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's Halloween is also a day it's so on Samhain is the original holiday. Mm-hmm. It's a pagan holiday where it's literally the dark half. That's what it means. So they're going into the dark half of the year. They're celebrating the bounty and everything that came before. And they're taking that with them as they go. And the, the marker of that day is recognizing that that's what the world is doing at that time in the yeah, northern hemisphere. Yeah. So it's a time where you go into the dark. That's what the world is doing. And that's what we're doing, too. Yeah. And we need to do that, actually. Yeah, it's yeah. not... Um, it is a hard time of year to get motivated. It's a hard time of year. My joke is like, I would, you know, I want to just like turn on Netflix and rewatch the Sopranos and (laughs) just do nothing. But, you know, so I started this project for myself because it's like, well, I don't, by, by, by the time spring comes, I want, when the light is coming and the water is coming and things are softening and things start to grow, they're growing out of the work they did in the dark. Mm Mm-hmm. They're growing out of that awareness, and this is where there's these really oh, lovely, like yeah. There's these really lovely metaphors in yoga. This ties in with yoga philosophy in a lot of different ways. You can't have the growth in spring unless you have you've done your work in the dark. Yeah, it's just not the way it works. I've, I've
0: always I've always liked that idea too. I had a moment where I liked some of the Anne Rice novels the uh-huh. 90s <laughs> yeah but it, but there We're was the same age. but there was there was uh I think it was the vampire stat. or something okay yeah but, i read know, all of those basically they, they he would he would go under, underground mm-hmm. for like 100 years or something right, right? and i i liked this idea of winters being similar to that where you yeah. kind of you kind of go into this underground period but you're not you're not completely dormant but you're you are kind of like you know creating the foundations for like what you're talking about in the spring like that's a really great way to think about yeah, it yeah
1: and i think and a lot of this came out of, came out of this for me too, because I had such a hard time in the winter. As soon as it got dark and cold, I was like, I just wanted like spaghetti and a bottle of red wine, you know, right, I just right. wanted, <laughs> and then like go to bed at five Cause I was, you know, it's just like, you want to hibernate, yeah. but the entrepreneurial competitive part of me was like, how can I, I've got to do something about this. And, and, and when I was a garden designer, because I would be off oh, like yeah. November through March and I would I purposefully set my life up that way so I could travel and train for yoga. So I, that was when I did a lot of my training for yoga. Yeah. But um, I I also had goals. Where, you know, it was like, okay, well, this is my time to be creative. This is my time to draw. This is my time to work on my own yoga practice. And it is, it's really hard to do that. Yeah. So since I've kind of read a little bit more and studied up a little bit more on the five elements and what, you know, this this metaphor for this is what's going on in the world at this time, we're supposed to be going into the dark. We're supposed to be doing, we're supposed to feel heavy. We're supposed to feel like introverted and like restful and not totally clear on what's going on around us because it's dark. That's what we're supposed mm, to be doing. Yeah. It's not as bad, you know, I understand now, like I have six weeks from the time Halloween is here until the solstice. It's like, it's only six weeks. Yeah. And November can be brutal, but that's my time to really think about what I want for a new year and, and plan for it and, and set the wheels in motion. And it doesn't seem so daunting anymore. Yeah. I actually kind of, I'm going to, well, I kind of look forward to it. I can't say that I, I don't like it more than I like summer or something, (laughs) but I actually have gotten to really appreciate that time.
0: Yeah. That's almost a time when we might need a little bit of a break mm-hmm. from the activity, or just to kind of re- regroup, restore a little bit. And even like I, I, I've talked to some people who have said that they actually try to sleep, you know, with the light a little bit mm-hmm. more. So they try to go to bed a little bit earlier in the winter with with the dark, and you know, try to stay on the on the schedule of the of the light a little bit more. And that, you know, and, and it's true because in the summer, I mean, I can, I can pop out of bed when it's light. It's so much easier. Right. Now I'm just like, right. you know, 645 is like, right. oh my God.
1: Yeah. I <laughs> looked at the clock hard. the other day. It was 542 PM. And I was like, I could seriously take a nap right yeah. now. <laughs> but, um, right. So, so I talk this, I talk a lot about this in my trainings and in my classes. So where are you in the cycle? This mm-hmm. is really what you're talking about. Right. We have this idea that we're supposed to be on and productive all the time. Right. We have this idea even like how much we sleep is productive. Yeah. You know, how much how we eat is a matter of how productive can we be. You know, it all so much of it comes to like what is the outcome? It's been wonderful to see the world of yoga go more towards the world of wellness versus trying to nail these like crazy poses
0: right i i felt like that i don't know when I, I mean i started almost 20 years ago i guess mm-hmm. doing yoga and I, and I felt like it was maybe it just played into where i was in my life at that point but everything felt a little more competitive in yoga
1: oh it for sure was <laughs> at that point yeah
0: it was really picking up you know sort of popularity in the culture and mm-hmm. and it was all about like what poses you could do and how long you could hold things yeah. and Absolutely. I think that's changed a lot. Mm-hmm.
1: It's changed a lot. I, it's funny that you say that. I've been teaching my advanced level class on Monday nights for 15 years. Yeah. I realized the other day. Yeah. Every Monday night at 630 for 15 years. And I've had a lot of the same people actually for that long. But it's not as popular as it used to be. And I think it's because it used to be really that was kind of yoga, like getting into scorpion or like getting, like sticking a handstand or – You know, seeing these really beautiful poses that inspire you and then trying to figure out like, well, how do I get into those poses? And the percentage of people that are practicing yoga now don't really they're they're not doing it for those reasons. They're doing Mm -hmm. it to feel good. Yeah. They're not doing it to achieve a certain pose and then think of themselves as achieving yoga in a certain way. Right. Which is kind of what you're talking about 20 years ago. That's kind of how it was. And the competitive part of me loved that. Right. Um, and still likes that. but I. It's also how I got hurt. Yeah, well, for sure. And I, but I do understand how, and I think it's wonderful that yoga can be used as a tool to turn towards yourself, getting to your body in a healthy way that makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. And it's not about, the because whether or not you stick a handstand may or may not make you feel good.
0: Right, yeah.
1: Now, I think, and this is the way I teach, so I think this is an interesting point. The way I teach yoga, because it's alignment-based, you can actually. And now I've changed my Monday night class. So when we talk about my Monday night class, the joke is we have an apex pose that nobody can ever do. And no one cares. Because what makes it advanced is that people are aware of their boundaries, what they can and can't do. Mm-hmm. I'm practicing with them. So it's a little bit of an open oh, okay. style class. I'm practicing with them. They get to see a little bit of like what my home practice is, which I get asked about a lot, so they kind of get to see that. and then, But they also get to practice at their own level, so that's really what it makes it advanced. And they know how far to push themselves. They know when to back off. They're okay if they can't achieve something. But there's enough there to keep it interesting and keep it progressing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's an interesting way to practice yoga where it's based on – I go slow in my classes. I do still teach vinyasa. I, I did take – many years of alignment-based yoga um, that I appreciate, but just the really strict alignment with me. Which, which kind? Like a Yangar yeah. in particular I mm-hmm. started with. Um, Anasara.
0: Yeah.
1: It, it was just so much about the alignment and not enough movement yeah. that it just was... Too much talking? It was too much talking. Yeah. And I wanted to move. And I'm like, well, we, you can do vinyasa. Yeah. You can do the flow and teach alignment at the same time. You can do them both. Yeah. But you have to go slower. And when you're teaching the alignment, you have to be really clear about what you're teaching so you're not talking too much and giving them too much information. Because if you give them too much information, they go back up into their head. Right. And they're not in their body. And then they're worrying about whether or not they're doing it right. Yeah. So you have to also know the alignment enough and to be aware of who's in front of you and to see what's going on when you're giving them alignment instructions and how they're taking it in. Right. How much do you give them? How are they taking it? Do they understand what you're asking them to do? And then continually move forward from there, which I love because it keeps it collaborative and conversant. Yeah. And it's more, goes back to that entrepreneurial thing where it's like, it's just so wonderful because it's innovative. And the goal is to keep people in their body. The goal is to keep people in their heart, in their body into what does this feel like? Does this feel okay to you?
0: Right. And and that's where the too much talking starts to get Mm -hmm. into your head too much, I feel like. Yep. I usually, do Do you you have people... um, come to work with you one-on-one when they when they first come in or do you ever suggest that if somebody's like new to new to yoga or
1: it really runs the gamut I get a lot of people from uh, my friend Nell who owns spot spas who mm-hmm. does body work mm-hmm. she refers a lot of people to me I work with a couple different chiropractors who just you know it's like you have we can align you but unless you change your alignments in your life mm-hmm. this is going to keep going out of alignment you know, we, right. you need to change your patterns. So yeah. a lot of what I do is I'm working with people to, to help them recognize their patterns and change their patterns. Mm-hmm. And I'm giving them the alignment in order to do that. Right. Because it isn't ultimately you have to do it. It's not something yeah. that anybody else can do for right, you. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I do. I get people from all walks. I often get people that have gone to physical therapists and have injuries and they've tried everything. And they finally decide to try yoga. Yeah. And we get I've had a lot of success with that. Yeah. But I'm always working against people think that if they're on a yoga mat, it's healthy because it's yoga. Right. And that's there's so many different kinds of yoga now and there's so many different things that are being called yoga now. Yeah. That I'm really clear when I talk about my yoga that it's alignment based yoga. Yeah. And that I've we move slow with intention and I've been doing this for a long time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think you and I have this similar thing where I just don't like to see people get hurt. Right. And so, I mean, was, and part of it is maybe our having put our own bodies through it. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, for sure. Like, I just, I can't, I can't, I can, if I'm, if I, if I take a yoga class where I feel like the the teacher is not paying enough attention to people or the the poses are, I I can tell are too difficult for most of the class or it's moving too fast or something. I get really anxious. And you know, that's why I I was wondering if you, if you have people come in and do one-on-ones because I, I, I don't, I've done classes in the past, but I, I tend to lean a little bit more towards like the educational side of movement. And so I'm always thinking about, you know, because, because sometimes I'm working from working with them on a table, you know, doing body work with them and then you know, getting them symptom free enough to do more movement mm-hmm. that I, that I really want to educate them through that early part of the process, which I think is kind of your thing too, mm-hmm. that I, I, I feel like I, I almost kind of tell them the first couple of times that I work with them, I'm going to do a lot of talking at first. Mm-hmm. This, these first couple of sessions are not going to be a lot of movement, but they're going to set up the the foundation for a bunch of different, you know, forms that you're going to, you're going to see over and over again. Then you get used to those things And then I'm just going to set you in motion. I'm not going to talk very much anymore. (laughs)
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Same for me. When I do my teacher trainings, they're three months long. And I say the first month, we're going to talk a lot. The first month, I give you everything. Mm -hmm. The second month, we start to strategize it and put it into sequences. And then in the third month, you guys decide. and You start to do some more theming. and You you guys decide what this means for you and where you're going to take it. Okay. So... um, yeah. Initially in my trainings, I do a lot of talking, just kind of the same thing, like explaining the foundation of the work we're about to do. Yeah. When I teach my classes, I actually don't. And it's, I love this. It's always so fun because there's a community part of Yoga Garden of my studio that's really important that I know is different than other studios because, you know, everybody's hugging and talking and moving around and there's 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 definitely a social aspect before class. It's not yeah. a studio where you come in and everybody's quiet and I mean there are people doing that too.
0: Yeah.
1: Um but I encourage people to be social and interact, but once we, you know, once we start class then it gets quiet and people are still. And I don't say much at all. And I try to actually say as little as I can. Hmm. And I start as we talked about with the breath, get people into their body and just feel via the awareness of the way the breath moves their body and what mm-hmm. that feels like. And I try to bring them back to that as many times as I can throughout an hour, an hour and a half practice by saying as little as possible.
0: I like that a lot.
1: Yeah, it's powerful.
0: And and, and are you and are you doing the movements? And the, So they're fo- following your movements most of the time then? No. No? no.
1: No, and I, I I actually, I really try not to. I sometimes do in my, like, noon hour corporate classes. I will move a little bit more just because the energy is different, and mm-hmm. I think that is helpful for them. And it's during their work day, so, you know, I have a really lovely, solid group of people in those classes too, but I just think it's, it's just different because they're, I don't use themes as much, and they're, they're really there to have a break in their day and move. But, but yeah, actually, I shouldn't say that because I do the st- same thing. I start them with the breath, and I try to just get them moving. So when I teach in my studio and I'm teaching public classes, no, I don't. Some classes I don't do any poses because hmm. I'm walking around the room adjusting people
0: so do you you get them going through some kind of a vinyasa yeah so i just say i'll just
1: say i mean it's just simple i'll say all right i've actually been doing a diaphragmatic breathing in the beginning of class because it took me 22 years of being frustrated with people trying to get them to start in their meditative seat which people that are seasoned yogis can do that Mm -hmm. but a lot of people can't sit comfortably on a blanket on the floor yeah it's true and it just always bothered me like the people that I would see struggling, like this poor guy, is like trying to, you know what I mean? Like his <laughs> hips are so tight, and he's uh, trying to be comfortable, yeah, and he's trying I was to one be of those quiet. Guys. Yeah. And I feel so bad because I'm like, well, it's just really not fair for them. Yeah. But and they're yeah. trying so hard. Yeah. So I finally just was like, okay, we're we're going to actually start have them roll a blanket and place a blanket under the their their chest and their uh, the top of their pelvis, so mm-hmm. they do diaphragmatic breathing, and it's a really lovely way to feel the compression of your diaphragm and feel your ribs and everything move as you breathe, feel mm-hmm. your, bring the breath into your belly, yeah. get everything moving according to the breath. Yeah. And people love it. The first, I started doing it about six months ago. And I was like, all right, this is going to be really weird, you guys, but we're going to, we're not starting seated. We're going to change this up. Um, and a lot, my students have been with me long enough that they're like, all right, let's, what are we doing? Let's try it. Let's, let's give this a go. She's yeah. doing something new. Where is this going? So and they're just really great that way.
0: And they'll trust you after a while. I mean, it's uh, you've you've earned it.
1: So I have them do that, and then I have them flip over, and then we turn the blanket the other way so it's underneath their heart. So then they can feel all of that opening they've created, Mm -hmm. and then I just get them moving. So I just keep it really simple, and I talk about them being aware of their breath and how their body feels on their the movement of their breath, and just try to get them into that as much as they can. I get them. To think about, well, how, how is the rhythm of your breath? Are you able to create a pattern that you can use through your practice? How does it feel? How is it affecting you? Mm-hmm. Use your body to support your growth. You know, use that kind of a theme. Mm-hmm. And then I get a moving, so you know, right into probably either a forward fold or downward facing dog. And then we go towards I always have an action or something specific that I'm working toward. And we might do that for a couple months or a couple weeks. So it's very specific mm-hmm. and then work towards an apex pose. So we, we move very, compared to a lot of vinyasa classes, we move very slowly. It, it, I do want to say it is still vinyasa. We are mm-hmm. still, it's still a flow, which I like and I need in my own practice. So I teach that as well, but it's alignment based. So I'll say, you know, we'll just go through a brief warm up, and then I'll start saying, okay, now, you know, high lunge, try doing this.
0: Yeah. It's, okay. almost, it's almost harder than, than you know, to move. Oh, it's to, a lot harder. To move through. It was, it was the thing with music when I played, when I was you know, very active playing music, you get into these habits sometimes of just playing too fast. Mm-hmm. One of the hardest things to do is to really, you know, sort of stay in that flow and hit those, hit those same points in rhythm with, this, with the, that slowness. And, yeah. and when you do it, it's like magic it's amazing yeah
1: yeah, exactly Jeremy and that's where I when I opened Yoga Garden this is what I was trying to figure out this is what I was trying to get clear on like I don't want to just do the dry alignment because it just gets boring right Um, I think it's important but it's just that in and of itself isn't interesting enough for me And the the flow is kind of what you're talking about, like playing your music too fast. To me, I use the analogy of like when you go to the gas station, you put your credit card in to buy gas and Mm -hmm. the TV comes on and you're like, do I really need a television right now? Do I really need more noise and (laughs) information? Yeah. I don't. So that's what uh, when you're moving fast, even in a yoga class, that's what that feels like to me. It's like, I don't need all of this talking. Like I, I actually just want you to tell me what to do. Kind of what you said in the beginning like how wonderful is it to go to a class and be told what to do and not have to think about it. Yeah. I don't want to have to think about it. Yeah. So, I just want to get on my mat and have you tell me what to do. I want to know that you know why you're telling me what to do. Yeah. That you know why you're asking me to do these actions and where it's going and how it's all connected. And then I'm cool to just do that. Yeah. For 5 breaths. Maybe 10. And just enjoy that, and it is harder because you're in your body, and you're more aware of yourself, and there's a part of it that is I think I think it's the empowering part of it where you kind of have to decide. And this is where I really like teaching this way to a room full of people, because then you can get them to, to into the pose and in working with specific alignment instructions, but they have to decide how much effort right. they put into it or if they need to back off, they have to find their own boundaries. And that to me is yoga.
0: And, and you're empowering them really is yeah. what's going on because that was the one thing that I, you know, I was more on the like training side of things, but mm-hmm. I was never much of a, I didn't, I didn't appear to be much of a trainer. <laughs> um, but, but I, but I, I always kind of felt like those first few, you know, times I work with somebody, I'm kind of handholding, I'm teaching a little bit, I'm kind of showing, you know, the, the way through different movements And then it just gets to a certain point where, and I like this idea of of being quiet because ultimately you're having to, when you go back out outside of this room, you need to be making all your own decisions with lots of different pieces. And this is just like a practice for other things. And that's the way I always feel about yoga in general or meditation Mm -hmm. or whatever. It's a practice that you, you know, you're, you're, you're getting something from there's a learning experience going on, a sort of a way of being that you're practicing.
1: Right. And I think, exactly, and I think um, one of the scariest things for people when they first come to yoga or to a new studio is to sit still and be quiet with their eyes closed. (laughs) Right. It's harder than the rest of it. Yeah. It's scary. So we're afraid of that place of quiet we don't know what we're supposed to be doing in that place it takes a lot of practice to sit in that place and be confident to sit in that place and know what you're supposed to be doing
0: especially with other people
1: with other people to sit in that place and even understand what it means to feel your breath i mean i remember the first few classes i did which were our yangar classes um and i remember at the end of class they would we'd be in shavasana and corpse pose just lying there and they'd be like you know this is the ultimate pose and (laughs) this is the hardest pose and i was like what what are we what is this for what are we doing like what is this pose why are we just lying here yeah yeah you know i was 24 years old i didn't get it at all (laughs) uh and now i i really appreciate it and now i'm i'm i you know i wouldn't say it's the most important pose but i do think it's important i think it's important after i practice to have that time where you are you're awake you don't want to fall asleep but you're fully aware of the choices you just made, it's a, I mean, it's corpse pose. It's, this is going back to the cycle. It's reflective right. of it. You're at the end of a cycle looking back. What, how did that go? Yeah. What choices did you make? Um, it's not about the result. It's not about what you achieved. It's about how you feel. It's about being in your body. It's about feeling the weight of your body. It's about you just did something kind and nice for yourself. You know, whatever you want to bring and to challenging, it. and and mm-hmm. you
0: you're, you kind of have to let your body kind of find mm-hmm. its its neutral again, or you know, it's, right? It's sort of, yeah. Re- it's like recovery. rebooting, rebooting exactly.
1: Right. And so, point being is, we need quiet to do that. Yeah, yeah. We need a quiet space to do that. Our
0: systems certainly do better that way. I think.
1: Yeah, our systems, our nervous system needs that, which is why I think. The breath again is where you start because it's the quickest way to get your nervous system to calm down. Yeah. Or speed up if you need it, but most people just need to calm down. So
0: is that, is that where the, the, the whispery yoga voice comes from? Is okay. <laughs> this
1: I guess I don't
0: know. <laughs> you you don't really have the I rhythm. don't
1: have the whispering yoga voice. No, in fact I I have to usually tone it down. Um I,
0: I kind of appreciate that though. Yeah. But I, but I like the, the, that you're, that you have like this, that's a, that seems like a very unique thing. I haven't seen that in too many classes where you just kind of let people go through and, I do. and, and not, and not, you know, overly talk.
1: I do. And I, I work with my, uh, and it, you know, I think it's the sign of a seasoned instructor, somebody that's done this enough, yeah. that is confident enough to, you know, put people into a certain shape with a certain set of alignment and be okay with mm-hmm. letting them have that experience. You know, to, to a brand new yoga teacher, that's a tall order. I couldn't do that. It was, yeah. you know, I had no idea how to do that. You know, it takes, I think it takes years of experience of being confident in what you're doing and that you you have a general idea of how it's going to affect people did, and their alignment to do that.
0: Did you ever have an, any idea that you wanted t- to teach, per se? Like, that's a very specific sort of no. thing, I think. No,
1: I never, never saw myself as a teacher. I was, um, it all happened because I was... So I started doing yoga in 1996 and it was like pre-internet. You know, there was like, you couldn't find anything on the, you no, know I didn't even, I don't think I even had a computer, yeah. you know, like you couldn't, you couldn't look it up. Yeah. You couldn't Google anything. So I just got Light on Yoga, which is called the Yoga Bible. It's BKS, Iyengar's book with all the mm-hmm. poses. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just got totally obsessed with it, with the physical practice. I just was like, what is this? And I, I, I had been, like I said, active as a, as a kid and through college. And I was kind of looking for something new. Like I had bought a pair of running shoes and I was running a little bit. And I was like, no, oh, this is not, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and I was just looking for something new. And I came across yoga and I immediately was like, this is it. Because it was like, this requires everything. Like you have to be able to do everything. Yeah. There's like, this is a lifelong, never ending thing. And I just loved that from the very first class yep. and started asking a million questions the first class. Um, so no, I didn't know I wanted to teach, but just because I got so into it and I was talking about it so much, my friends were like, "We well, should just teach. You should just teach a class. And this was before teacher trainings yeah. in Minneapolis anyway. So I just started teaching in my one bedroom apartment on Hennepin Avenue. We just like took all the furniture <laughs> out of the living room and put it in the bedroom and I had a couple friends over. This was in like 1998 and I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. But I was just like, all right, let's just do this. And um, so my first class was two and a half hours long <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't know what I was doing. And because I wasn't a teacher, I didn't understand that because my students who were my friends yeah. didn't say weren't saying anything that. I, I probably should have just limited it to an hour or something, but I just, like, thought, I was like, well, let's just keep going because I would practice for, like, hours at a time. Okay. So the next day they were, like, ready to kill me. They were so sore. <laughs> and it was really funny, but but they they were really into it. And so I had, like, this little group of people that would occasionally come to my house. And they,
0: they came for class too then, apparently. Yeah,
1: yeah. And they'd pay me, like, five bucks or whatever. Yeah. Um, But so, I mean, that was really how I started teaching. And then I did start looking into teacher trainings, but... um. There was nothing in Minneapolis. And I did sign up for the Jiva Mukti training uh, in 1999, but they had just filled their last class mm. and then were writing their books, so that was, like, on hold. And then I signed up. I looked at a couple different ones. They were all in New York yeah. or L.A. Um, but it was harder to do then because you had to just, like, pick up and go for months at a time. to be there, right. So then I did sign up for um, a teacher training with another school in New York, right before 9-11 at Yoga Union who is this really lovely um, British woman. God, I can't remember her name. We're like crazy intense. I know intense. of her. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think you and I have talked about her. Yeah. Um, she's British. <laughs> yeah. She's been around forever. I know. I'm totally drunk. I over. signed up for her teacher training and then it got canceled because of 9-11. Oh, wow. And then um, I got a card in the mail from Jeeva Mukti like randomly like years later saying they were starting up there teacher training program again, and it was in Austria. So I was like, oh, I can do that for five weeks. So then then that was how I got certified, but that wasn't until 2003. So for those five years, I just, I, like, ordered as many books as I could and just kind of hacked together my own weird little practice yeah. but i would like make i made flashcards and i had a practice manual and like i kind of was developing my own tools just i'm sure
0: you were very organized i
1: told <laughs> geek about it <laughs> right just because i was so into it um i was very organized yeah i had like little flashcards like one was like the learning the sanskrit terms i was trying to teach myself sanskrit and then i had some with like that were like the pose yeah so i had these different sets and then um yeah i was just trying to learn as, as much as i could about it but it was hard to do then because yeah. You had, it was so limited.
0: Did you, did you learn much anatomy at that point? or how did,
1: No, you? I didn't learn a lot of anatomy, but I think because of my art background and I like to draw and I like to draw people, mm. I was always kind of curious about yeah, that. That's... So I, had the, I did understand a little bit the way things worked mm-hmm. and moved. And I had done you know, a little bit of that throughout my high school and college. Um, but no, the anatomy came much later. And yet, I think the anatomy is still really tricky with yoga. Yeah. How to teach anatomy well Yeah, is, is tough. I think it's come a long way, but it's an ongoing practice. So, yes, as far as teaching, that's how I got into teaching. And the entrepreneurial part of me was like, I'm just going to do this.
0: And so, and so you started this place... 10 years ago you say
1: well I started teaching so once I well I started teaching out of my apartment and then once I got certified and I was a legitimate certified yoga teacher I actually started teaching on 22nd and 2nd in northeast so I've actually always been northeast oh, wow. yeah I think I'm the first yoga teacher there was a,
0: there was a studio there
1: no a friend of mine it was a storefront and a friend of mine lived upstairs and he had an art gallery downstairs it's called creative electric and I just started teaching there I just rented it from him
0: In the art studio? Mm Mm-hmm. Nice.
1: Yeah, just bought a bunch of props, and we kept our props there, and I invited all my friends. And then I had my friends, Kai and Zoe Fote, who own Fote Design, had a studio on Marshall, and so I rented that space. And then a couple years later, the co-op up the street opened a wellness room. So I had those three rooms that I would rent out to my public classes so you could buy a a pack with me and go to any of those locations. And then I started, and then it just, it was weird. I just started getting classes. Like I started getting hired to do privates and corporate classes. Mm -hmm. I think because I was so into it and I had been into it for so long. And I was really making an effort to educate myself and doing a lot of traveling to train and taking classes, you know, with teachers nationally and internationally and, you know, really – trying to do as much of that as I possibly could yeah so it it started I mean this whole thing started in 1996 but it's been just kind of progressive through my educating myself and building a community really
0: yeah did you did you have any idea that of of what your role would end up being like in a community like this
1: no, I didn't. And it's been really wonderful, actually, the community part of it, because when I opened Yoga Garden, everybody right away was kind of like, okay, well, you're going to do a teacher training. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do a teacher training. <laughs> yeah. the world, if there's one thing the world does not need another one of, it's a 200 hour right, yoga teacher right. training. And I just, from right off the bat, I was like, I don't know, I don't want to do that, actually. I want to train people, I want to teach what I know. Yeah. And I want to figure out how to teach what I know. But I don't want to do, like, the standard stamped 200-hour. I just initially didn't want to do that.
0: What was, the, what was the resistance?
1: Well, because there were so many of them and because I was seeing people that were coming out of these 200-hour trainings that didn't know what they were doing, that didn't yeah. know how to teach, yeah. that, you know, maybe took a couple weeks of classes and then took the teacher training. Mm-hmm. You know, so for somebody like me that at that point I had been teaching for almost 15 years, yeah. I just was like, no, that's I, that's not what I want. I want I want to teach people how to teach. I want to teach people to really understand this, and that takes time. And I guess that was it. it, it to me, it was like, well, this takes more than 200 hours. So, that, so what I did initially was, but I kept people kept asking me, so I was like, okay, well, let's do. I was like, we'll just call an advanced training. So this was my first, like, the precursor to the 200 hour that I'm now yeah, teaching. Yeah. So let's do advanced training, and you guys tell me what you want, and I'll build a training around it. So I did, and I had a couple students in here and it was 6 weeks then it was like i can't remember like 5 hours on a saturday for 6 weeks or something and that was the basis of it and then and then i had i started because i opened a studio and because it was all my teachers are contractors and i wanted teachers here that wanted to teach what they knew and yeah, what yeah. they wanted to teach i didn't care if they were certified or not yeah and i just wanted to know that they knew what they were doing yeah. and that they were into it and that they had integrity and autonomy so then I but then I started getting teachers that, that weren't certified they would come in and be like well I want to teach but I'm not certified." I'm like I don't care if you're certified or not like you know more than a lot of certified teachers you're, you're fine to teach but they wanted the certification yeah so as a businesswoman, to me that and a, and a yogi and an entrepreneur it was like okay they want the certification and I had to really go okay because I had a couple teachers that were like well I'm just going to go and do this training, this corporate training, then just to get this, I was like, okay, then I'll do it. I'll do a 200 hour. Yeah. So that's how I did my first one. I was like, all right, we'll do a 200. I mean,
0: because because in the end, you're providing you know something that the community needs. Right. It, it's even even if it's you know even if there are too many out there, yours is still going to be different.
1: Right. And it took that's what it took me to realize. And I yeah. wasn't poo pooing the other ones. I had no problem with it at right. all. It was just from my studio. I just didn't feel like we needed it initially. And I was like, we can get teachers in here that are that know a lot already. Yeah, so, yeah. but that's also changed. That was also almost 8 years ago. So, now everybody is certified. Yeah. So, what I'm doing now is I have my 200 hour, which I call it's a teacher training and personal wellness program because I get as many people that want the personal wellness part of it. Oh, that's
0: that's that's a good idea.
1: Yeah, as much as the the, the training.
0: So, it just becomes an intensive for anyone who yeah, wants to Yeah, anybody that wants this information. And yeah. so,
1: anybody that comes through they're like Everybody, like there's more, usually more people that don't teach than do, but everybody leaves going, I want to teach. Yeah. It's great because everybody leaves going, everyone needs to have this information. I'm like, I know because it's basic information about how do you get into your body in a healthy way and create alignment that supports that. Yeah. And you've got to have the alignment. It's, gotta, it's,
0: it's interesting because when I was in New York. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if this, I mean, I, I worked with a lot of yoga teachers who were Jivanmukti Mukti trained. Yeah. Who had all sorts of physical issues that they that I think they had some that there was there were some pieces missing in their training Mm -hmm. or in their practice or whatever it was that they ended up with sort of the recurring injury cycles Mm -hmm. and stuff and so I would sort of take them through little things and I, I don't know that I was necessarily like doing anything that they weren't doing in yoga mm-hmm. it's just that they needed someone to probably pay attention to them yeah and right figure out you know watch them move because they too often were like doing it for other people or or doing like showing showing um poses without warming up right and yeah. just like hurting themselves that way all the time yeah so i just started kind of you know I somehow I ended up with a whole crew of of yoga teachers, yeah, who ended up coming to see me for body work and for movement work and.
1: Yeah, like. and I get that. I get a lot of yoga students and teachers with the same reoccurring really? at yoga body. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the biggest one. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, which I'm sure you've seen. Yeah, um, that attachment and triangle pose. Whew, it's a doozy. Yeah. Um, but, right, so and that kind of goes back to where we started our initial conversation is back then uh, we didn't know any better. Everybody did it that way. Right. And it was right. kind of like if you're doing it this way, then you're doing yoga. And that's what's been really wonderful about the evolution of yoga and what I am trying to talk about with you here is like, well, now it's about wellness so we can educate ourselves. And just because we did it that way 10 years ago, we don't have to keep doing it that way. Yeah. And that's what I really like about my community in the, in the group here is – I'll do stuff like, okay, you guys, we're not going to sit in a meditative seat anymore to start class. We're going to start lying on our bellies. And they're like, okay, yeah. what happens when we do this? And so, and I, when I write my blog, have written about this. It's like, we get to change it. If it's no longer useful, then we get to change right. it. It's okay. And it's still yoga. Yeah. So I think that yoga is much gentler now than it was then. And that is going back to my, going back to like the, community needing a teacher training a 200 hour teacher training that is beneficial in those ways mm-hmm. is one of the things that I I really try to bring home with my teacher trainees is who is in front of you and what do they need yeah yeah and you have the tools now to do that you've got to, you but you've just got to simplify it and it's probably not as hard as you think you've just got to simplify it
0: yeah or even just giving people the confidence that like this is you mm-hmm. and you know, you you doing your own self work and going through all this stuff yeah. is going to teach you a lot. Yeah. And in, in, in that process.
1: Absolutely. And give them the space to have that. Yeah. And make it their practice. And that's another and give thing. give them
0: permission to actually do it yeah. sometimes. <laughs> and
1: that's the empowerment piece where it's not I really and this is why like when you ask me do I practice? Do I do yeah. I don't and this is just my preference. I, I think it's fine that other teachers yeah, do. Yeah. But I I don't because I like to see what's going on in front of me. And because I don't want them to be watching me and going, Am I doing this right? Right. Yeah. And often I'll get this drives some of my students crazy, but early on when they first come to the studio, they're like, Well, is this right? Am I doing this right? And I'll say, Well, how does it feel? Yeah. And if their alignment is okay, then I'm like, You're good. And that's it. And they're yeah. like, What? And I'm like, Yeah, that's all you, it's, that's it's it. It's that easy. Now, if you want to take it further, then we can talk about that. But, yeah. and then that's where it's like, Well, then maybe we do a private or. They do the teacher training or yeah. whatever yeah um, but
0: but also giving them I think giving them this I mean it, it, it's an education and it's a, and it is a wellness education too mm-hmm. of, absolutely and you know keeping them keeping them on a track or being a touchstone for them through this whole process and knowing that yoga is part of your wellness program mm-hmm. this doesn't have to be the whole of your wellness program but understanding how it is a part of your wellness program
1: right. Yeah, yeah, Jeremy. That's a great point because, like I said, I work with chiropractors, body workers. Like, You can't think that you're going to get on your mat and it's going to be the solution. Right. It's going to be a major tool in your toolkit of wellness. But, yeah, you'll probably have to do some other things too. And as you practice or do body work... Or mm-hmm. get chiropractic adjustments, you're going to feel where you need to do your work. Yeah. So, or, I mean, i have. Learn how to eat or. Yeah, right. I mean, you have, I have like six different people that I go to for different things, yeah, depending on me too. what I need. And yeah, right. And we haven't even talked about diet. That's and it keeps about. changing,
0: you know. And I think that's the thing mm-hmm. is like, it's changing as I age, mm-hmm. it, it's it's changing as I get better. In some ways, like, I feel like I, I was in worse shape in my 20s. Yeah. In, in a lot of different aspects of who I am <laughs> yeah. but, I, but I think but I think even physically like I just my, my toolbox is pretty full at this point I know how to pretty easily mm-hmm. take care of things it's it doesn't feel like such a daunting task right. to like yeah do self-maintenance
1: yeah that's a good point I, you reminded me I had this epiphany this was like maybe three or four years ago practicing in here I was like if I back off and I don't apply so much effort it actually—that's where my work is. I don't want to say it's easier because it's actually just clear to me where my work is. Yeah, like I'm more engaged and I'm more connected, and it just feels more present, and I'm in my body. Yeah, and that's really where the challenge is. Well, and that, versus I, just pushing, pushing, pushing.
0: I, I agree, and that's the one thing I always try to get to with everybody. At a certain point, is going through the, you know, I do a lot of alignment stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it's yeah. so, but, but then, but then find the ease in it. Right. And that's a really yeah. hard thing. And then to stay with ease because we're so used to feeling like if we're not working really hard, if we don't feel like we're being exhausted by the work, then we're not doing enough. Right. And it's, it's, that's not really where, I mean, in the beginning phases, yes, because we're learning something, it's brand new and our body might not be used to doing it. It's adapting and, you know, having to having to figure things out but at a certain point it's about how to, how to work with the ease too
1: right because in the beginning the boundaries aren't there right and we're trying to figure out what the boundaries are yeah now once you figure out what the boundaries are that's where it becomes empowered mm. and only you can do that so yeah that's a great way to put it i think that when you back off then you have to you have to figure out what the boundary is and it doesn't have to be so hard yeah but the work is still there, and that's hard. that was like what that was such an epiphany for me. I was like, "Wait, God, really, like if I back off and I just chill out and I just like hold this <laughs> pose, which I was doing before, but just like but not pushing so hard, I got stronger, faster, and just was more it's just more empowered right so going back to I think kind of what you're talking about too, it's like going back to the whole it's the cycle, so where are you within the cycle? Mm-hmm. Where are you within the cycle of the year? Where are you within cycle of of the dark, where are you within the cycle of your growth? Where are you in the cycle of what you want to create or your health, your wellness, yeah. whatever it is, or your of life your, of your life in general, your job, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever it is you're trying to create, where are you in that cycle? And so that's very empowering. And that kind of goes back to, it's like, well, there's these bigger cycles that are going on in the world, like winter that we can't control. Yeah. But if you understand that you get to make empowered choices about what you do with that boundary, with that information that'll make it easier you know, so you're not just you know trying to do everything in its most optimal way because that's impossible and it's exhausting. Yeah. So, yeah, the alignment piece. God, I feel like we could do another whole podcast on that, but.
0: <laughs> well, maybe maybe we should. Yeah,
1: because the alignment piece is. Um, it it's it just it's really fascinating to me because it's so technical. And and I think our job and my job as a yoga teacher is to take that alignment see who's in front of you and figure out how do you teach that technical thing in such a simple way mm-hmm. like so they're in their body and not in their head yeah and so they leave like often you know when people leave and they like forget their phone or their coat or like their car keys yeah yeah i've done my job yes you know because they're not <laughs> in their head they're like i feel better yeah. i feel great that yeah. was awesome and oftentimes after class people will be like well i don't even like how did you even? How did you even do that? Or people will say like, "Oh, I've never been able to get into that before, and it was so easy." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Perfect," because it shouldn't be this thing where you're like straining to achieve right. a shape. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be this thing where it's like, "You should find it in a way." Here are right? the actions that I need to do to create that shape, and I'm going to yeah, work within right. these actions and, right. and find my boundaries and empowerment yeah. in that. Yeah, that's the, only, that's, the way, that's the way that I like to do it.
0: Yeah. So speaking of ease let's talk about the the yoga retreat the that, retreats that, that, that easy town how, how did how did uh, this come about
1: um so melissa who is my melissa scheller who is my business partner who is so great came to a class god i guess it was like two years ago now almost two years ago and she was referred by another teacher in my studio and wanted to check out a class and was interested in teaching here. And she came to class with her daughter, Violet, who was really sweet. Aww. And Violet was just, I was so impressed. She just like sat in the changing room in back and was quiet and was a good little yogi. Melissa took the class and she loved it. And we just hit it off right away and started talking and... She had been teaching yoga retreats for about seven years and was looking mm. for somebody to um, partner with. And I was looking to start teaching retreats. I'd been, I've been getting asked forever, like, yeah, what yeah. are you gonna do retreats? But I didn't, it was just like, I didn't know anything about that world. It seemed totally foreign. I wanted to do it, but it just was like, the timing was never right. Yeah. And so we met and I was like, no, this is it. This, this is great. Like we just hit it off and it just kind of went. Our first We did our first retreat in Tulum last April. It was great. We had almost a full house. Everybody loved it. Um, We just got back from Italy a couple weeks ago and uh, had a blast. And then we've got a retreat coming up in Roatan in January and then two more back-to-back in February, and then we have a whole list of retreats coming up for 2020. And you can find that at Gypset Yoga Retreats. Okay. But so we were really clear – when we started our retreats that it's going to be as much about yoga as it is about adventure. Mm. It's going to be as much about yoga as it is, is going to a place to be able to settle in and clear your mind yeah, and not look at your phone and not check your emails and have really be clear with people. This is a time that is specifically for you. Yeah. And we encourage you to be, you know, it depends on the location. Like when we were in Italy, it was like, this is going to be as much about Italy as, 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 right, as about yoga right. because it, you're in Italy, right? It's beautiful. It's <laughs> right. amazing. Like it's the design capital of the world. Like the food, the wine, it's incredible. So right. we want people to have a full experience of Italy, which we did. We had a blast. But we also taught two to three yoga classes a day. You know, so there was a lot of yoga as well. Our retreats uh, in Tulum or in like Roatan, we teach um Two, two yoga classes and a bar class in the middle of the afternoon. So it's the vibe is a little bit different because it's beachy. It's by the mm-hmm, ocean. Yeah, yeah. It's much more, you know, you can do absolutely nothing. You can sit and read a book. Mm-hmm. You cannot leave the hotel for the week and just stay on the beach if you want.
0: So it's very vacation-y, but wellness Well, it's oriented. wellness.
1: It's very much wellness. We get a lot of solo travelers. Um, pretty much everybody that comes on the retreat has something that they're working on in their personal life mm-hmm. that they're trying to get perspective on. That um, they're trying to change or just figure out, even Makes, make space for. Yeah, make space for because we just don't have that anymore. You know, we're yeah. constantly looking at our screens. We're constantly connected.
0: We, we need space, basically. We need
1: space. <laughs> we need downtime. We need time yeah. where we're not plugged into something. Yeah. So we're very clear about that on our retreats. That that's what our retreats are about, as much as anything. So it's wellness, yoga, and adventure. Yeah and you can you get to decide. We have excursions that we set up, but you can do all or none of them or as as much as or as little as you want.
0: So how many a year are you planning to do? We've
1: got um let's see. I think we have 5 for 2020. And four no, 5 for 2019 and then four for 2020. So we'll probably do like 5 to 6. Oh, that's nice. And build from there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's great.
0: And it will be another community. I'm sure some, some people from here, but yeah, it's, it's another way to build out the community.
1: Well, there's a community piece to it that I really like. So, right, because it's been wonderful. Melissa's been teaching as long as I have. We've both been doing this for a long time. Yeah, yeah. She's also a former studio owner. We have our groups of people that mm-hmm. are our community, which, are, which is wonderful. So it's been really great to have you know, people from my community, people from her community come together. And then there's always a certain amount of people that neither one of us know. Mm -hmm. So yes, per week, there's a little community that builds. It's really fun to see how that happens at the beginning of the week. Everybody is a little bit tired and not really sure what they're supposed to be doing or what their day is going to look like. There's no routine. You know, I, I usually say by like Tuesday, there's usually a big... Our retreats are typically Saturday to Saturday. So by Tuesday, there's usually a big shift where people are like, relax. Yeah. Everybody's letting loose it a little bit. It takes about that much time. Yeah, everyone's getting to know everybody. You know, it's just such a really wonderful way to get to know people because yeah. you're together yeah. a lot and you're just having a nice conversation that's very organic about what people do or, you know, what their life is like or what they like to do. It's just a very organic way to build a community. And then by the end of the week you know you have like your new best friends that you want to travel right. with
0: and yoga kind of opens you up a little bit mm-hmm. because of the kind of work that it is I think it's probably one of those things that within those first three days you yeah you really have kind of settled a lot of things and yep. it's much easier to have those conversations
1: yeah it'd be very different without the physical practice yeah I think so yeah, too. for sure and there's something that happens um when people are in a room a yoga studio moving together reaching and stretching and there's a conversation energetically that happens I think between all of us that brings people together that's awesome yeah it's cool that we can't really it's just there
0: so that's Gypset um, retreats Gypset right? yoga retreats Gypset it's
1: G Y uh, P P S E T. G Y P S E T. and
0: and the yoga garden website is yeah yoga
1: garden is yogagardenmpls.com. M-P-L-S dot okay yes
0: Thank you for doing this. Yeah, this. was awesome. It was great, and we will have to follow up on something more specific. I yeah. I, I think it'd be we 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 talked a little bit more about you and in, in your career and a lot of your perspectives on yoga, but it'd be fun to have something that's like very specific. Yeah, for anyone who wants to know a little bit more.
1: I think so too, and I think that there's we didn't. I know I kept trying to get to the alignment part, that's, but it's like it's a lot. It is a lot, and I think well, you and I are getting to know our conversation too, but. um, there is a very yeah. There's a lot of specifics with alignment yoga that, and what happens that I think would be informative.
0: All right, cool. Helpful. Let's let's follow up. Yeah, that sounds great. All right, thanks, Laurel. Thanks, Jeremy. Laurel Van Meter. Pretty great, huh? I had no idea that this is where our conversation would go, but really great that we talk specifically about this time of year, and it really has, uh, has given me a perspective that I've not taken enough time with. I like to consider myself somewhat evolved, but I'll admit that I do have some dread around this time of year. And some of it is the consumeristic nature of the holidays and how we built it up so much that it's almost impossible to meet expectations. And in the short days of light, I, I definitely struggle a bit. But this conversation really made me reassess the broader view of the year and of the seasons and how we can get into rhythm with nature and not struggle against it. I'm actually feeling a a little more at ease about the holiday coming up this year. And uh, so clearly something in this conversation affected me positively. And I I hope the same for you. Don't forget to send me your submissions for the contest we're holding. Check out our Patreon page. uh, If you're feeling generous and would like to promote the gift of health, which if you think about it, and I think about it a lot, is really uh, an important thing, uh, the most important thing that we have. Let me know what you thought about this topic and conversation. Hit me up by email at jeremy@highwaytohealthpodcast.com at I'm taking the next week off, so Happy New Year to you all. I have a good feeling about 2019. Thanks for listening and for all your support this past year. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet.